This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Much Moshe Silver, and thank you so much to Torah Anytime. Welcome to the Rabbit Rubin Epstein Show. This is the fifth show that we are running here live on Torah Anytime, and I am very, very, very excited for my incredible guests, who you will be introduced to in just one minute. In a lot of my classes, I always talk about how different people have different favorite svarim. And one of my favorite svarim is written by Ravali Lapian, Leva Liyahu. Ravali Lapian has this incredible way of giving over machshava that's sort of like packaged in Musar and as like a catalyst just for pushing your life, you know, forward in the right direction. And there's always a machshava that I speak about in various ways. And tonight I want to give you like a shorter version just to throw it out there as an introduction to my very chashev and esteemed guests and to this program for all the thousands and thousands of women from Switzerland and England and America, of course, and the East Coast and the West Coast and South America and South Africa, just as a, as a and I hope I'm not missing any countries, Australia, wherever they may be logging in from, um, just as a, a thought and a catalyst just to um, understand a certain, a certain aspect of being a, a woman. Revelia Lapian says that we all know that women were, in a certain sense, responsible for unlocking the potential of the Geula, right? Nashim Sidkaniyas, like because of Nashim Sidkaniyas Negalu, we were, we were redeemed from Mitzrayim. And he says, what was it that women did? And we all know the Medrash, that the women used to go into the field and used to dress themselves up for their husbands. But Revelia Lapian says that that wasn't, the the nekuda, the piece of the of the understanding the geula was that Hashem put into the world teva nature, and Hashem said that at certain times you're going to be tested to see if you do what's natural or if you're going to push yourself to do the unnatural. And he says that men did the natural; they coped, they did what they needed to do, and that was good. That was great. But the women, they did what was unnatural. They went above and beyond what was naturally teva. And Hashem says that when you break your teva to push yourself beyond your limits, I will break teva as well. And he says that when Moshe went out to see what was going on with his brothers, it was, it was Moshe sort of stepping out of his comfort zone. And when the Jews came to the Yamsuf, the, the sea said, why should I split? I'm teva. And it sees the Aaron of Yosef who broke his Tava. And Hashem said, now it's time for you to split. He broke his Tava. Klai Yisrael broke their Tava. The women broke their Tava. Everyone is breaking their Tava. You too have to break your Tava. And that was the Geula that was brought around. So many, so many, so many women during these times, but even forget coronavirus, on a natural daily basis are coping. And they're doing great, amazing, wonderful, wonderful things. I spoke about on a previous um, show, in a previous episode, we spoke about from Rabbi Victor Miller, how just changing a diaper is a reach nichach to Hashem. It's like, you know, there's, there's so much that we, that we do on a daily basis just for our families and running our homes. And I'm not the one to speak. You're going to hear from great women tonight about, you know, all of that goes into that. But women are... There's just so much that they do on a daily basis. But tonight, I am, I'm so excited to have the opportunity to speak to two incredible women who, they don't just do the ordinary. They've taken things to the next level by not just juggling families and husbands and children and everything else that goes into that, but accomplished authors and speakers and 
inspirational and influential women. And I'm very, very, very proud to introduce you to, but before we get there, <laughs> before we get there, I just want to tell you about a couple of things. So first of all, there's been crazy amount of feedback from this show um, in general. And anybody who wants to reach out, feel free, please to reach out. You could reach me on my email address, email at marriagepro.co. Um, I try to respond to as many people or everybody if I can. If I don't, just please be patient and we will get back to you. But we really appreciate your feedback, your encouragement, as well as all of your questions that you may have. Um, a lot of my content, most of my content is up on TorahAnytime.com. And it's also streaming on all podcast uh, platforms as well. Um, I also want to just remind everybody about arnavashadchen at gmail.com, which is our new um, shidduch initiative in conjunction with Torah Anytime and Arnava. We are, we are having a floodgate of shidduch resumes flooding in, and we're going to be um, sort of launching that program in the coming days and weeks. And finally, about Torah Anytime Daily Dose, which you can sign up to by texting add me to 929-355-4268 on WhatsApp. And... And while you're at it, if you take the time to write something nice to the people behind Torah anytime, they really, really appreciate all that encouragement because it is beyond the scope of this 90-minute program to speak about all that goes on behind the scenes of Torah anytime. Um, any of the speakers, we can't even attest to everything that goes on from running around with equipment and the logistics and staying on top of every shear and the scheduling, it's really unreal what they have going on behind the scenes at Torah Anytime. So if you are signed up to their daily dose, send an encouragement, you know, a little encouraging uh, snippet to them and they really appreciate it. And if you're not signed up to the daily dose, why not? <laughs> why not? Like, it's just so easy to get a nice spiritual dose into your day. You definitely should be signed up right away. Now, with that being said, Drum roll, please. I keep saying that on this show, I need to get my own band on the side. I don't know where I got that idea from. But wherever I got that idea from, we have to make that happen. So drum roll, please. I'd like to introduce our audience tonight to Rebitson Slavi um, Young Rice Wolf, who is an accomplished author, Raising a Child with Soul, an incredible book, as well as um, a Tour Anytime speaker, H.com speaker, um, has a tremendous following on YouTube, spoken many times at Sinai um, in Daba in South Africa. Um, it's a schuss to have you here. Rebbitz and Young Grace's so daughter. Thank you so much for taking of your time. As well as Mrs. Jackie Vitone, who is, first of all, a shachin type, a good neighbor to us. <laughs> Living here in Flatbush, it is great to have great a lot of great people here, but, you know, just a shachin type, a good neighbor who just is, I call her the mayor of our neighborhood. She stands on her porch and she greets everybody and she directs them and she gives, you know, her, brach, her brachot from her porch to everybody who she comes in contact with. Um, she's also the former dean of the YDE Elementary Schools, the current dean of BCA High School, a teacher at a Terrace Nama and Minos, um, Bina Seminary, and recently has been running a live Torah Anytime class on Torah Anytime in the live section at 8 p.m. on on Wednesday nights, which everybody is encouraged to go follow. And Torah Anytime, I know, is very excited about that specific program. So Baruch Hashem, we have both of you on here tonight. So thank you very, very, very much. Now, I want to start off with you, Mrs. Young Guys. Well, um, Slavi, if you don't mind, I, I, I know that you're very well known for your chanach, you know, your teachings and, and everything that goes into that. But I want to just start with you on the receiving end of legendary, you know, I don't want to use the word mechanchem because, you know, your parents were so much more than that. But can you tell us about growing up in the home of Rabbi and Rabbi Sinyang Grace? 
Yes, absolutely. And thank you, Rabbi Epstein, for inviting me on your show. It's so good to have women come together and just speak and have a conversation. So when I grew up, think about it, my parents and my grandparents, my mother actually had parents, everybody had survived the Holocaust. Right there, you have something incredible. Because when you go through crisis, or you go through something big like that, there was so much loss. My father lost his entire family. He was the only one left. And my mother, she lost grandparents and cousins and an entire life. What I saw growing up was when you are faced with crisis and darkness, and this is something we have to remember right now, you have a choice. You can either get very depressed or very angry, very sad, and you can cut yourself off. You could become silent. You could become a bitter person. What my parents taught me and my grandparents taught me is light a candle, kindle a light. So when they came, what did they do? I don't know how they did it, but they made a yeshiva. And my parents, when they got married, they moved to a community where there was no one from. Right now, everyone is from in North Woodmere. I grew up, there was nobody. So our chinuch was tremendous amuna. I saw it in action. And every day you should know that when I say modem, I pause for a moment and I thank Hashem for giving me parents and grandparents who gave me amuna after going through everything that they did. And tremendous love, love for Klal Yisrael and love for family. So that kind of chinuch, it stays with me until today. Until today. I close my eyes. I'm a bubby myself when I go to sleep. You know what I hear? I hear my parents' voices. I hear my father sing Shema to me. Incredible chinuch of just always being able to light a candle and never fall into darkness. Have a wow. mission. Wow. Wow. Amazing. And I know, Jackie, um, this is Vitone. I know that you grew up um, in the five towns, right? And and you segued into your life with your incredible husband, who we're all zechah to know and sometimes go hiking with as well. <laughs> um, tell, I, and I met your mother, who was also this, like the most special lady in the world. Um, shout out to Jackie's mom um, for being just an amazing, incredible woman. Um, tell me about tell me about your your upbringing, like your your growing up. Okay, so my house was very different than Rebbitz and Slavi's house. I actually grew up very modern, what they used to call modern Orthodox. I grew up in the five towns. Um, before I tell you that, though, I just want to say publicly, Rabbi Epstein opened his show by talking about people who really try to go above the norm. Rabbi Epstein and his amazing wife, Gitti, are exactly those people. I have to say this because my Hakara Satov is forever. When my husband was so sick in the hospital and I myself had Corona and it was literally like two days before Pesach, I had no idea how I was going to do everything. I was so weak and I'm managing a household and I'm so worried about my husband. Rabbi Epstein calls me. I remember I'm throwing in a load. I can tell you exactly where I'm standing. And Rabbi Epstein says, Mrs. Vuitton, Yantiv is taken care of. I'm like, what? What does that even mean? Yantim is taken care of. Don't worry about it. Do you want to pick the menu or should I pick the menu? Literally had the most incredible shlichim. I cannot begin to tell you. My entire Yantiv was sent to me. Matzahs, wine, every kind of amazing food. And I'm eternally, eternally grateful. And it is such a schus to be able to know the Epsteins, to be able to be part of this amazing show. So with that introduction, I will segue into how I was raised. 
So I grew up in Lawrence in the five towns. I was a Hal girl all the way through. <laughs> um, went to Hal preschool all the way, graduated from SKA high school. Dad, you know, try to go to shul, like definitely Shabbos, you know, it was an effort. The Yamim Tovim. Um, mom wore pants, still wears pants, doesn't cover her hair. And we, we grew up as if, you know, a very quote unquote regular, like I wore pants until I was 10th grade and I decided on my own that I wanted to start wearing skirts. Um, I have to tell you what I saw in my house with mom in her jeans and dad in his jeans and his t-shirt. I saw two unbelievable things growing up an enormous amount of chesed, enormous and an incredible feeling towards other people, we do not judge others. I want to tell you just how far reaching this chesed went. We literally had an open door policy. When I say open door policy, we had people coming and going all the time. Shabbos guests all the time. And it wasn't your run of the mill Shabbos guests. Whoever wanted to come would come. I'm not going to say the name of the yeshiva, but very similar. It was a boys' yeshiva, very similar to where I am now in Robert Wallerstein's high school, BCA. Every Shabbos, we had a slew of boys from this yeshiva come for meals. We're talking about boys who were struggling with a whole host of things you could only imagine the high school kid is struggling with. We had people who weren't well. We had people who were on the derech, who were off the derech, who were super from, who were not from, who were incredibly wealthy, who were struggling, you know, like just to pay their next meal. And there was such a feeling of, if this is like Hashem's children, if it's good enough for Hashem, it's good enough for us. We do not judge other people. And I'm so grateful because until today, I am thank God a non-judgmental person. My mother taught me that the outside package is only an outside package. Obviously, Tznias is a woman's crown, and that is incredibly, incredibly important. But there are people who are wearing leggings, and they are finishing Safer Tehillim every other day, and going to Shurim and growing. And there are people who are wearing bulletproof, you know, stockings and head-to-toe covered, and, you know, they have a long way to go in their Midos and Derech Um we also had really at any given time, people living, literally living for weeks on end in my house who needed a place. I lived in a beautiful big house on Lord Avenue in the five towns. Um, I even remember when I was dating my husband, there were two Israeli guys who needed a place. My mother knew their families from Israel. Their name was Nadav and Roi. We used to call them the Israelites. My husband came and he's, <laughs> he's like, Jack, who, who were those guys upstairs? I'm like, oh, those are just two Israeli guys who needed a place. I kid you not. So even though my siblings and I grew, you know, religiously, you know, and quote unquote became firmer than my parents, there was an extraordinary, extraordinary foundation that we got. And one more thing I'm going to add is that even though both my parents were modern, they came from very, very hush of people. My father's father got smicha from Aaron Cutler, my Zidi, and he gave her Schneer Cutler smicha. So my father came from an extraordinary rich heritage. And after my Zaidi passed away, he used to say, Ta, you got revenge on me with my kids. And, <laughs> you know, and my grandmother used to dab in three times a day. And her father started the first young Israel in Flatbush. So it, where I could really relate to Rebbe and Slavi is that I come from a very rich heritage and a rich stock. 
you know, we definitely took a different path, but I am so grateful for the experience that I had growing up in the home that I did. Wow. Amazing. You know, it's so funny just on your point of, of, you know, like people judging other people. I, I always see because I, I answer people, Shilas, um, and a lot of times when people come to me, it's, it's incredible to see what some people who have a certain look and you would expect a certain thing, what they're asking versus somebody who has a different look and what they're asking. And it really is incredible to like, you cannot, you really can't judge people until it's all about the panemius. Like at the end of the day, it really is about like the internal, like what you see from a person. Um, and you know, as someone who's sometimes privy to that side of things, it's really incredible to sort of see that. Um, Rebbe Tinslavi, could I ask you, um, you have a, your grandmother, children, Baruch so, so much, Baruch Hashem, you know, um, how do, how do you juggle everything that you have going on? Um, you know, I, I happen to be somebody who's not fond of, of all these memes and jokes and everything, especially during like difficult times. Um, I said this many times on, I, I don't think it's a joking time, you know, to joke about when things are, are rough. Um, I know like there's a lot of jokes of people basically saying how some days they feel like they should have like a reality TV show again about themselves. You know, like I'm Superman, I'm Superwoman. And other days they're like, I, I couldn't get out of pajamas and like a bottle of wine later. I'm just like, you know, when is the night coming? And it's 10 a.m., you know? So, but it's, how, do, how, do you, how do you juggle it? How do you juggle flying around and speaking and, and dealing with all the things that you're doing? It's a great question, especially for women who are listening. And I think the first thing is that women have to be kind. We have to be kind to ourselves. You know, we need oxygen. The same way you're on a plane and they say before you take care of the toddlers and dependents, you've got to take care of yourself. So you need to have the oxygen within before you give it out to everybody else. And don't expect too much from yourself. When my children were younger, I didn't do as much as I do now. So nobody should think that you have to go out and change the world and then abandon your home. That's, that's not what it's about. It's about creating a partnership in your home that your children understand that we have a mission. That's how I said, you know, I grew up. That's how my children grew up, knowing that, you know, my mother began Hineni and, and we continued. We walked in her footsteps. But I certainly am doing so much more now. My role has changed as my children got older. That balance is very, very important because if children feel that you have time for everybody else, if a husband feels that you have time for everybody else but them, then what are you really accomplishing? There were times that I said, you know what? I can't take this lecture because I have a graduation of my own child or one of my kids needs me. I I can't do it. And even though there was disappointment, how can I possibly speak about parenting when this is what it's about? It's about being there, being present. And at the same time, yes, knowing that you have a gift, everybody listening tonight has a gift. How can you use your gift for Klal Yisrael? It doesn't mean that you have to speak. It doesn't mean you have to write. It means you can have a sense of humor. That's a gift, you know? Whatever you have, use it for somebody, for something else, especially in these times. And then you can balance. Mm-hmm. But it should never be a place of resentment that what you're doing, it just wears you out to such a point that you're resentful of, of your Avodah Sakodesh. Never feel that way. Wow. Amazing. I want to tell you, um, my we went on a on a, our, our Nava Shabbaton, which is, for me... 
like the highlight of, of the year. It's an incredible, incredible experience of thousand over a thousand girls, women, couples, you know, getting together. Um, and it wasn't this year. It was a different year that they have speaker after speaker after speaker. And it's literally 24 hours a day um, for two days. It's from Friday till Sunday. Like there's no sleep. There's no such thing as sleep. Like you don't see your bed at all the whole time. It's three o'clock in the morning and the Q&A is still going on. It's five o'clock in the morning and everyone's, it, it's, it's an unreal Shabbaton. Um, and there was a woman who came over to me on Sunday morning. It was all the way at the end. I was totally exhausted. And she came over, she said, I just have to share with you the most inspiring thing that I heard this whole Shabbaton. And I was like, oh, maybe something I said or someone, you know, like, and she said um, that she came over to my wife and she said, you know, I, I see that you didn't even see your husband like this whole Shabbos. Like, you know, how does it feel to sort of be, you know, like relegated to the back seat? And my wife said to her, if I'm number one, everything else could come after me. Like, I don't care what happens after. And she's like, that really stuck in my heart. Like, if you have your priority, like your priorities in order, like, you know, then, then you open up for so many other things. And like what you're saying is so true. If, if you yourself are not, you don't have your oxygen mask on, you got to, you know, when I teach or when I have couples that I teach or women that I teach, you become a mishpacha, you know, I call it family. So it's not that your your own family feels that they're in the back seat. They should never feel like that. You're co-pilots together. This is a mission together. You know, if somebody's feeling in the back seat, that means you're looking to escape your house to to fulfill yourself. And that's not a bodhisattva dish. You, you can't, you can't do that. That's, that is a powerful, that's powerful words. That's Thank powerful you. words. That's, that's powerful words. It's, the uh, it's, it's true. <laughs> Mrs. Bitone, I know your husband is Superman. <laughs> I know that he is. <laughs> how, how, do, how do you, how does he fit into everything? I mean, I know I, I see him. He's, he's the greatest Jew in the world. Um, with everything that he has going on. I know that when you fly, he goes with you to take care of, you know, the baby. Um, how's your, how's your juggling? Like I, I used to tell people that I, I do accounting. I used to say that I, I teach. I'm just, I'm a juggler. You know, I think a lot of us are just jugglers. That's all we do. I just make sure everything is, is in the right place at the right time. But how does, how does, how do you deal with everything going on in your life? Okay. So people, people always ask me like, Jackie, how do you do it all? I'm going to tell you four words. The first two is, I don't. And the second two is, okay. So what do I mean when I say I don't? I just do the best that I can. For example, right now, I am sitting here. I want everyone to know you're all probably really enjoying my impressive like bookcase behind me. I want everyone to know I'm uh, out there in the public. This is like a fake screen because you don't want to know what it actually looks like. <laughs> Behind me, if you don't, my house is flying right now. Totally. I have not had Maria Portafogvor come back to me <laughs> since the beginning of this virus. I am literally on roller skates. I have believe I and Harish should bless all of them. Seven children, all in, you know, like 
doing different things. They have to be on with their, you know, like their moras, their rebbies, and in like their yeshiva schools, no such thing as Zoom. So they're listening to like the phone, phone conference. Ma, it cut out. I can't hear. We're calling here. I have to teach. My husband has to teach. The baby's in the middle of like being like toiletry and she had an accident on the floor. Ma, I'm hungry. Oh my gosh, I got to speak tonight. I got, I, let me just tell you that the word superwoman, oh my gosh, Jaggedy Tone, you're superwoman. <laughs> It doesn't exist. It can't exist because we're human beings. When people say that to me, I said the only part of super woman that we should strive to be is to really be a super woman, to be a good person. So definitely, you know, I'm constantly juggling things. Um, when I was a little girl, my father, who was a very, very big businessman, and he managed to do so much. He did so much consulting for so many different people and merged so many different companies. He made lunches for us every single day. He would write us letters in camp every single day. When I was in seminary, every single day I'd get a letter. I mean, he was unbelievable how busy he was. And he did so much for all of us. And I remember I said to him, dad, like, how do you do it? And he said to me, Jackie, you have to write a list every day or once a week you write down all the things that you have to do and whatever is most pressing that gets done first that's the reality shabbos cooking has to get done and yes unfortunately you know without maria i only got to one bathroom this friday but it was okay i'm like guys anyone have a complaint go down to the basement all right (laughs) (laughs) that's the reality i think that people just have to be real with themselves we're just human beings and we could just do the best that we can. But I will tell you something that's very important to me is I have things called non-negotiables that no matter what, they are a priority. And that is always my husband. That is always my children. And they know it. Even if I'm flying somewhere to speak, you should know I will not give a class anywhere without getting a bracha from every member of my household. I won't speak anywhere without getting a bracha from my husband or any of my kids because they are so vital to, you know, the, the, you know, the avoda here. They're such a part of it. And I think that everybody just has to be really like Rebetz and Slavi was saying, just kind to yourself, you know, especially now we're in a very, very, um, extraordinary time in history, and we're going through a very difficult time. There will be days where you feel like you're on top of everything. Everything is running smoothly. It's, you know, like it's organized. The house is clean. Things are happening the way you want them to happen. And then there are some days where it's like, you just don't feel like getting out of bed. And I think what makes for a balanced person and a person who's able to juggle all of their responsibilities is to say, you know what, I'm just going to do the best that I can do. So my first two words, I said, how I do it all is I don't. And the second two is whatever I do do, I'm telling you, it is so clear to me that everything I have in my life is straight from Hashem. I don't speak not a word without saying, Hashem, please bless me. Just put the right words in my mouth. You and I both know I can't do anything without your chesed and your graciousness. And I think one thing that we have to remember is in a way that a person really wants to go, 
You want to do good. You want to keep on going. You want to do right by your family. You want to make the right choices. You want to balance and juggle everything. Hashem will help you. I think in these times, you know, it's important for us also to let go of perfection. Ah, I love that. I love that. (laughs) You can't be perfect now. And you're you're not going to do that gourmet meal and, and be with your cookbook and everything is going to be absolutely perfect. Let go of that. And just set a doable goal or two every day. And you know what I would say a goal is, believe it or not? One goal is, I gave a, a class the other day, a parenting class, to wake up in the morning and go to sleep at night and be able to give a smile and a good word to every person in your house. Oh, to go sure. to sleep, to give every child a hug and a kiss and say, no matter what happened today, Bubba <laughs> I love you, Shanka. And, and just be able to do that, to be able to wake up with a smile, no. let go of everything else. You're not going to be able to do all those classes with the kids online and all the work. And it's okay. But come out of this time and let everybody feel more united and not broken. That's such a huge goal. Let go of everything else. You know, oh. I'm going to share something just piggybacking on what Robinson Slavi said. You would never expect this, you know, trait of me because thank God I'm a very easygoing person. I'm a very like relaxed person, but I'm actually a perfectionist and only for myself. Like, I don't care what anybody else does. I want my house to be sparkling clean. I want all my kids to look nice. I like, it hurts me if they're not wearing a bow. I mean, I grew up in a house with five brothers. So it's like therapy for me that I have daughters. (laughs) (laughs) I want all my classes to be amazing. I want my table to be gorgeous. I want all my food to be amazing. And at certain points, you just have to let things go. And that's part of the avoda of being a super woman is just to say what is so important to me. I can never let that go. My family has to know that they're number one. I have to constantly be working on my midot. Everything else. You know I mean, it's okay. It's okay. Now I, I, I learned by Rebisa Berkowitz and Eric Israel, who to me, he's just, you know, one of the most incredible, you know, people I've ever had this list of spending time with. Um, and I, deal a lot with marriage. I don't deal that much with chinuch, but I can tell you that Rabbi Berkowitz, when he talks about chinuch, and I want to talk a little bit about chinuch, um, he always says that chinuch starts with, your kids have to know that it's, it's good to be alive. Like simcha in the home and just, just we're happy, we're smiling, we're good. Like we're not, we're not stressed. He's like, the, the, the atmosphere that you create, that is the first thing. Because if life is so stressful, then why does your kid want to follow in those footsteps? <laughs> like, what kind of life is that? It's not, it's not enjoyable. So just the idea that whatever you have going on, there is a certain simcha that's just like in the air. Rebecca says that's like step, that's like step number one. Um, Rebetzin Slavi, I want to ask you, because you are an expert. What, what are most people missing? Or what thing do people need to focus on more? When it comes to chanach, like what, what is the nakuda that most people like the message? You need to know this. If you're raising children, they don't come with, with too many um, guidebooks. I mean, they have people write them, but you know, too many good ones. Like you have to, you know, what is it that people are missing when it comes to raising their children? Like you need to know this message and to have it forefront on your mind. I have certain things that I tell my chasanim, just like when you get up in the morning, you put on your tefillin, 
and it's like a reminder of certain things before you put on your tefillin like re- remember that like your wife needs to feel like a queen and if you if you prioritize that your wife will feel like a queen if you remember that and she's the most important person to you because you're nothing without her you're light and she's tithe you'll have the greatest marriage just remember that every morning and you'll have an amazing incredible what a parent say to get up in the morning and stop and like instead of waking up and going stop screaming downstairs like <laughs> what is what do they have to like, put into their minds every day like when they get up there's so much i want to give to you with this but i'm going to give you a pre-corona answer and a post-corona answer like a present answer okay so the pre-corona answer that i would give you is that I think a lot of us parents have felt that if we give our children a lot of things and stuff, they're just going to be so happy. These past few years, as I've lectured, and it doesn't matter the community, if it's from or not, not religious at all, this country, another country, there's, there were so many unhappy kids around and unhappy families around. And how does that make sense? Because We've taken them to more places we ever went to than when we were kids. They have more than what we ever had when we were kids. So where's all the unhappiness coming from, right? So what I've tried to tell parents is just very simply, less presence, meaning to buy a present, and more presence, meaning that you should be there for your child in their life. In fact, Rabbi Krohn I spoke to right before Pesach because Rabbi Krohn came out with the Haggadah and he asked me if he can quote me on a story and I'll give it to you very quickly. Take your time, take your time. Okay. (laughs) Take your time. A mother came to tell me that in a previous Pesach, her kids said for Afi Komen, this is what we want, mommy and daddy. Tati, this is what we want. We never get to see you anymore. So, after Pesach, do you think for Afi Komen, this is all we want, can you come home for supper every night? And if not every night, you know, can you come home once a week? And the father said, you know, we're, we're going to talk about it. So Pesach goes, he comes home first week, he calls the kids together around the table, he says, I have something really, really special I want to tell you about this Afi Komen present. And they're all there, their eyes are bright, the mother's describing it. And they say, what, what, Tate, are you going to go more than once a week, twice a week, three times a week? And this father says, no, even better, laptops for everybody. This mother, she had tears. She said, he doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. They don't want the laptop. They want him. So that, I would say, pre-corona, but I would say present right now. Now we're all together. But the question is, are we really together? Because if we're together, but we make a child feel unwanted or that we don't want to be there, you know, if my fathers are right, if my mothers are right, I'll be all right. If my parents are happy, I'll be happy. But if everybody is sitting here and they're on edge, frustrated, anxious, panicky, wanting to get out, upset with each other. So what I would say right now is have a presence with your child, but Put the other stuff away and try to connect to every child at least once a day. Have a conversation for a few moments. Get to know your child. What makes this child tick? How can I connect more to this child? Because children are different. 
they're all going to be different. And this child might be louder. This child might be quieter. This child might like drawing. This child might like baking. Whatever it is, figure this child out and connect to that child. Be present, meaning get off your phone. Try to have family time. If everyone can eat together, no phones, no talk about Corona. Have a great story prepared. Laugh a little bit. It's so important. It's so important in these times. So be present, but show your child that you want to be there. That's that's crucial. That's now, now I, I love that. No, I, I, I love that idea. I think that a lot of people, you know, when it comes to even Shimon Esrei, like be, be present, be, be in it, understand, like be, be here, be here. I think a lot of people go through motions on so, so many of the, the things that we do. Um, and I think that the difference between good people and great people is just simply, just simply being there. If you're really dialed in, then it just makes all the difference in the world when it comes to marriage or your children. Now, Mrs. Betone, I know you have a thought that I've heard you talk about. I know you could talk about it for hours and we'll give you, we'll give you as long as you need because I want you to spend time on this. I think this is probably one of the most impactful messages I've ever heard. Um, and I think this is really a, a, a big key to, to I don't want to say like your success, but like this message is so, is so, it's so true. It changed my, not expectations of people, but like the way I react when things don't necessarily go um, the way that I think that they should necessarily be going. I once heard you say that you have to give partial credit and your example was a little extreme, but it was so awesome. And it's, it's so worth repeating. If you don't mind, I'm going to say it. You said that you have your child come home and your kid is coloring on the wall, right? Now this wall behind me, by the way, I painted. So if any child would color on this wall, (laughs) I will have to paint it again happily. (laughs) But, um, with that being said, this is like my baby, by the way. This room is my baby. My children, no, I, I can't turn the camera right now, but I literally installed like a deadbolt lock. I kid you not. I have, I have everything in here, my tools, everything. This room became my sanctuary. Um, but you, I, I remember you said, you come home, your kid is coloring on the wall. And you're like, oh my gosh. And you, you feel you're, you're not in that like, wonderful, you know, excited mood anymore. But then you look closer and you see that the kid wrote on the wall, like, I think it was a heart or they wrote like, mom, I love you or something. And you have this line, which I think is amazing. And I think, I think there's something that everybody needs to practice. Partial credit, partial credit, right? The kid, (laughs) the wall was the wrong place, right? Should have been on a paper, but at the same time, like if you look a little bit deeper and, to to a lot of what we're saying tonight, it's it's like you have your kids in school, like you expected this and they did that. Partial credit, partial credit. Tell me, first of all, where did you get this idea from? And second of all, like how does it how does it develop? How does a person? Because to me, I I always say I say this on Peace Off programs. I say this anywhere that I have an app on my phone, one of the greatest apps. Um, it's called Google Keep. If you have a Gmail account, it comes with it. And you literally just keep lists of things. It's a great way you can link your list to other people's list. Like me and my wife, like when I go shopping, she'll link it. And like, I'll just see the shopping list. And then as I get things, I check it off. She sees that I got it already. She'll put something back on. No, I need five of those, not four of those. So it's a great list. So I have lists and lists and lists of things because whatever, that's how I was brought up, which is an amazing uh, way to live your life with like Seder and order. And that's, you know, Baruch Hashem, I got that from my mother. Um, and, and a big part of that is I take lists of, 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 of advice, of things that people say. I think that, you know, a lot of these ideas, I don't just end this show. 
I, I write notes and I put it into my list. Like, you know, I meet with business people. I'm an accountant. Some people are very successful. How did you build your company? People don't just say, I don't know. I woke up one day and it was just successful. Nobody ever said that. It, nobody ever said that. Like, how did your child become the next Gunal Adar? Nobody ever says, I don't know. You know, I woke up and he just was like so great. It doesn't ever happen that way. Success takes time to build, right? And when you want to destroy something, it could be destroyed, you know, just with the strike of a match. So, I believe that if you want to study success, if you want to become successful, you should study success. This idea is, is in my book. It's in my book as one of those things, partial credit. you got to give partial credit. And you always have to be looking out for that, whether it's judging another Jew or whether it's your own children or your spouse or whatever the case may be. But tell me, tell me where you come up with this idea and how does a person apply this to their everyday life? Okay. I was first like just, just married, like really maybe three months, four months, something like that. I was visiting my parents in the five towns and I saw a huge sign on the door of Eichler's, okay? Um, and it said, if you have a rocky marriage and you want it to get better, sign up for this workshop. If your marriage is great and you want it to be over the top, and it was basically bullet points, come to this amazing marriage workshop run by Dr. Mayor Wickler, okay? I signed up and he was unbelievable. It's the first time I ever heard him. He's an amazing speaker and therapist and author. And of what I understand, he specializes in Sean Bias. And he basically started talking about this concept of partial credit. And as soon as he started speaking about it, it resonated with me right away because I'm teaching for so many years. And I always have those students as I'm handing out a test. And I always say this when I talk about this topic who are like, oh my gosh, Mrs. Vitone, I studied so hard for your midterm. Like I'm getting so nervous. There's so much material. Do you get partial credit? I'm like, guys, it's me. You write your name right. That's like a plus five there. Of course I get partial credit. And you see this like wave of calm sort of like washed over them. And Dr. Wickler said the same way that students could really only learn in like a positive environment and an environment where they know that their teachers can give them points for what they do right. Not always look at the things that they do wrong. If you want to have a successful relationship with anybody, you got to give them partial credit. What does that look like? My husband goes shopping for me and I'm in the middle of making chocolate chip cookies and I realize that I run out of chocolate chips. So he's like, Jax, I'm heading to the store. What can I get you? Item number one is chocolate chips. I got my batter. It's ready to go. I got a house full of kids who want hot, yummy chocolate chips. Honey, I need three bags of chocolate chips. He comes back an hour later. We got cheese, yogurt, bananas, uh, you know, like (laughs) chicken, vegetables. We have everything under the sun except for chocolate chips. So I'm going through all the bags and all of a sudden I'm like, honey, um, I don't see, I don't see the chocolate chips in here. (laughs) I forgot. I'm so sorry. I totally forgot about it. Now we could react one or two ways. I don't, I don't get it. That's why I send you to the supermarket. <laughs> I have my cookie dough batter ready and waiting for your chocolate chips. I don't like, why do you forget everything? That was the most important item on the list and you forgot it. Or, right, what happens when we react that way? The house becomes like a bug out, okay, to quote one of my kids. It's not fun. It's all of a sudden, like, it's stressful and it's angry. And how is he feeling? He's like, what, what, why are you looking at the one thing I did wrong? What about all the other things that I did right? Partial credit, honey. You got cheese and potatoes and cucumbers and, 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 and X, Y, and Z and everything else. And I am going to focus on that. And I think that that is really the goal of every positive relationship. I got to give partial credit. I have to look at all the things that you do right 
not that you do wrong, right? Let's say one of my kids, okay? Um, he tantrumed. He got really, really angry. He refused to go on his Redby hotline. He also watched the baby for me. He also helped me put away the groceries. He also gave me a big hug when he saw I was a little overwhelmed. It's our choice how we want to view this person. And when we give partial credit and we look at all that they did right, not only do we develop ourselves, but we develop the person in front of us. Had I responded to my husband, let's say the chocolate chip example and like blown a gasket, is that the expression? Like, what, like what's wrong with you? Like, why can't you just get what I need? I don't know that he'd be running to do my shopping so quickly the next time. <laughs> You know he, would. he would. He would. He's great. <laughs> you tell me you said that, and I'm going to remind him, by the way. <laughs> he would. He's the nicest guy in the world. Your husband is a superstar. Thank you. I have, If I have that kid who wants to surprise me and clean the kitchen, and there is literally, like, the Hudson River on my floor, <laughs> and I walk in, and that's what I say, like, honey, the floor is 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 sopping, I'm not going to have that kid running to the kitchen again. So the partial credit piece is focusing on the positive. And I think that that is really, if people want to know how they're going to get through this difficult time, I think that's how we're going to do it. We have to just focus on the good that we have because there is so much good in front of us. Just a matter of focusing on it and appreciating it and internalizing it. So first of all, I, I, I want to thank you for introducing me to this idea because I think that it's, it really is one of the most impactful ideas that I've ever heard in terms of relationships. Dr. Second Wickler, of all, Dr. Wickler, he gets all the I was going to say, we have to acknowledge Dr. Wickler who, who came up with this idea or brought it from somewhere else, which is, it really is an incredible idea. I know Dr. Wickler, a lot of his uh, teachings can be found on Torah anytime. So everyone is encouraged to, to look him up as well because you will not be disappointed. Um, but I wanted to say a couple things on this point, which I think are very, very important. One is, is that, at the end of the day, um, a lot of people sort of view, in my mind, they view like chenach. And when I say chenach, by the way, um, chenach is not, I know chenach is obviously with your children, obviously, right? But a, a lot of it has to do with how you react to, you know, your spouse. I think that like 101 of like a good marriage is, is focusing on your relationship, like that your children see like, you know, like you say, an Abba and an Ima or a mommy and a Tati or a mom and dad or whatever you want to call them. Like they, there's something there like within that unit. But so many, so many people that I talk to, their relationship with their spouse or their children is, is just criticism. And they sort of look at it like that's, they think like that's their role, like their role, like this is like the more, you know, I, I correct somebody like the, that's my job. And they don't realize, like, no, that's that's not. And they'll quote, you know, Mishlei, that if you spare the rod, you hurt your child. It's not. It that's that's not necessarily like I'm, I saw in a book just an incredible idea that it says that if you spare the rod, you know, it says Moshe Rabbeinu also had a matta. He had a rod also, and he said, "Mila Shamelai," and who's coming after me? Let's go. Like you lead with a certain example. That's your job, like as a, as a parent. And so many people they don't see that. And they think like, oh, if I have that criticism, then I'm able to like, you know, sort of correct my child. I see you wanted you you you, you wanted to say something. Go ahead, go ahead. Me, Rabbi Epstein. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is I, I want to I want to say that if you use your marriage or your 
parenting as a way to make yourself greater, it's never going to work because it's not genuine. So when you use criticism as a way of putting somebody down so that you can feel great, it's, it's not marriage. It's not real. And when you do that with parenting also, children feel it. Nothing works if you use it to benefit yourself. That's not chinuch, you know, across the board. Whether you're in yeshiva, when, when yeshivas and schools come back, Bezra Hashem, you know, children feel if I mean. you're here, <laughs> you're here for them or you're here for yourself. And there's a big difference when it comes to chinuch. If it hurts me the way you're acting because I love you, that's different than if it hurts me because I'm afraid of what other people are going to say or I don't have patience for this right now. It's a very different way of being married. It's a very different way of being a parent. And criticism is not discipline. It's so important that parents remember that. We think if we say, that's how you did that? How, what are you thinking? How could you do that? That's not discipline. Discipline is giving a derech. Criticism is just being critical. You accomplish nothing. Wow. Same in a marriage. We wow. don't realize we, we take our spouses for granted and we, we criticize naturally instead of seeing the good. And that's such a great idea, idea, Jackie, that you had. Yeah, sure. Partial credit. Sure. Try to see the good. You know, you have a child now who's going to make a bed or do the dishes and you're going to say, oh, that's how you did it. You just lost that kid. You just lost the kid. You, you can't get that child back to help you and, and to be part of the family again. So always with a good word, it, even in the Torah itself, it says, it could have said, it's bad. Hashem himself says, wow, it's not good. Because you have to use the word good. You don't use the word bad. It's not good what you did. Beautiful. Wow. That, that's amazing. You know, I once had a, a couple, I always say that, and it's it's mamish. It, it is this idea. People strive on encouragement, and and Mrs. Beton, I've heard you say before, husbands and children are exactly the same in that regard. And it's it's so true. It's so true. It's so true. No, it really is true. I, I mean, we 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 strive on encouragement from other people, and when that negative energy starts coming towards you, you're just like, okay, fine. You know, it is what it is. Like I I I had a woman once who called me up about her husband. And she didn't like, you know, how he was cleaning up after Shabbos and this and that and all these other things. And I said to her, your husband is, is, is doing something. He's very zoned in. Men get very zoned in. Like we dial into like something and then we're like, oh, there's like the rest of the world. So, right. And women are like, hello, we're all here waiting for you. So, so to, the guy's like dialed into what he's doing and he, he's not doing a great job. So she would yell at him. So after a few weeks, he just, you just stop doing it, right? You're yelling at me, so I'm not doing it. So I said, you know, you have the ability to channel him. It's almost just like turning like a horse's blinders, you know? And like, if you do that, like, just just walk him from the dishes to the Lego, right? And just say like, oh, you're such a great help. You know, here you go. You start here. I'll go do the dishes so that we don't put the chalent on the plate into the, you know, into, <laughs> into the cabinet. That's not going to work. I'll do that. You do this. And you'll see your house will be clean. Your husband will be happy. He'll feel like he helped. If you're just able to like see past that. And I think where most people get caught up um, and tell me if I'm wrong. I think where they really get caught up is, is, is that emotion. The mean, the minute that emotion flares up, 
it, you're just you're just taken over by it and then you just can't like you're like but i'm upset so i have a right to be upset so if i'm right to be upset i have a right to express that and it is just not smart like you have a right it's just not smart to do that necessarily and if you're able to see past it and be a smart person then your spouse will respond like he'll happily run back to the store and he'll happily come home and you'll happily have a great night and you'll have amazing cookies. If, if you give that encouragement, the other way is he's not interested in those cookies. He's never going to want to see you baking again. And he's like, don't bother me with this. This is just a chore. And just to go back on another point, I know I'm talking, you know, a lot, but it's really with so much of the claw work that you're doing also, if it becomes like a shared thing rather than a burden, Okay, fine. So nobody's here to hear me. They're here to hear you. So I want to move on to the next thing. Okay. Now, yeah, is there something else you wanted to say on this? I just wanted to add one more thing. There may be people who are listening who may say, you know what, like my house is far from that. You know, like my husband and I fight a lot. There's a lot of screaming going on. You know, there's a lot of tension. And I feel like, you know, all these concepts are so lofty, you know, like, could I really apply that to my life? So first of all, I want to tell everyone um, if you think that there's not screaming going on in my house, <laughs> sometimes my kids are like, you should have at least like close the windows. Okay. Before you scream at me. <laughs> so I just want to tell everyone, reminds everyone for sure. Not, you know, rabbits in Slavi's house. Okay. That's like, no, no. So I want to just tell everybody that that is totally, totally normal. And you can definitely, definitely change it. And the way to add the positivity is, I know this does not sound so, you know, fancy, but is really just to start. Like if your husband took out the garbage because Maria is on her, you know, (laughs) okay, then you are going to start by acknowledging. You're going to start by saying, honey, I really appreciate you took out the garbage. Thank you. If a kid goes on their Zoom or their phone conference, you know, and you didn't have to pull teeth to get them there, that was so responsible of you. Thank you. I really, really appreciate it. I really see you're growing, you know, like during this time. Or, wow, you guys clean up your toys. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. One of the greatest lines I heard, my husband told me years ago, I can't remember who he quoted it from, but basically you want to see a change in your house, you be the change that you want to see. And even if you feel like, my gosh, like I'm eons away from there, you got to start somewhere. Clearly Hashem is forcing us in the home because there's a lot of work that has to be done in the home and you got to start somewhere. Don't be discouraged. Just start. Okay. Start. Even if you're not a speaker's type, give a smile, give something and you'll see these little things will change around your house little by little. And obviously always with Hashem's help. So amazing. So I, could I bring Shem on here for a second? Okay. I wanted to introduce everybody to my son, Shem. He's also my technical coordinator and he's an incredible, incredible, incredible kid, Baruch Hashem, who we're so, so lucky and special to have. He's, he's, his birthday is actually coming up. So anyone who wants to share him, you know, any birthday wishes, they could also send me an email and I'll pass it on to Shem. He's, he's very diligent and he will read every email and he will respond to you personally. But also Baruch Hashem, he fell off his bike and fractured his wrist. So he is going for a cast tomorrow. He's an amazing, amazing kid. Um, and one thing that I remember learning um, when we were, you know, learning about raising children, this incredible one here is my Bachar, Baruch Hashem, is what we learned was the idea of defining your child in the, in the sense that, a, you know, it, I'm not 
I'm not the funniest guy in the world. Some people are really, really funny by, by nature. I'm, I'm not. And, and I, I learned that I'm not because, you know, when you say certain, not least say certain jokes, but like, I just don't get the reaction that certain people say. They're just, they're just funnier. You know, I'm not a comedic speaker. It's just not who I am at all. Um, I think that comedians learn that they're funny because people laugh at their jokes and people learn that they're inspiring because people are inspired by them and people, you know, find out that they're, you know, good at counseling people because they counsel people and they help save them. So one of the things that we learned as parents was that when you define your child, like you tell him who he is, like you are so responsible. Like one of the things that we, we speak about is like, you're such a miscaber, like you, you overcame yourself and you did whatever it is that, that that like your child becomes like things like thanks for being the prop like, awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> um your kid sort of learns like i am i am who i am like i w- i was miscover like the, they don't have the vocabulary to define who they become who they're becoming and throughout their life like if you just simply say to him like wow i saw like you were about to get angry but you didn't you're miscover you're, you're like the greatest person in the world so like, the next time he's about to get angry he's like I'm a miscaber. I don't do that. Or you're so responsible or you follow through. Like you learn so much about yourself. And I think that a lot of people, they think that they're going to get that um, just, just naturally around them. But if you put a little effort into actually expressing it and defining it, then it, it will just become, you know, a part of the vocabulary of, of running your home. No, Mrs. Yeah. yeah I, I, I've said this and it's funny. I've really used this concept because what do most parents say, you know, when your child does something, you say, wow, that's amazing. You're unbelievable. That's awesome. And what does that really mean? It means nothing. But if you say, wow, that was so responsible of you. That was so kind. Then you're giving a definition. And in fact, that's really what Yiddishkeit Judaism teaches us. Your name is your essence. Everything about you, you know from your name, your neshama, what's the root? It's shame. Because if you want to know about yourself, you have to know your name. Everything has a name in the Torah. And if you look at the name, it's so beautiful. When Adam Harishan was given the world to see, he gave every single animal a name according to what he saw as its essence. So he saw a dog and he said, Kelev, why? Kelev, because a dog goes after your heart. What's a dog? It's man's best friend, right? So when you give a name to something, you're giving it an identity. Every child needs to have an identity. Every child needs to know this is something I can do. This is my mission. So you have to be true about the identity. You can't tell a child, wow, you're, you're, you're this when the child was just very mean and hit his brother. And you're like, wow, that was so nice of you. You know, <laughs> we have to be real. We have to be, you have to really be mechanech with, with truth. But when you're able to put your eye on what a child does and you don't just give this overall picture of, wow, you're unbelievable. You're amazing. You're awesome. Because those compliments after a while are just meaningless. It's meaningless. So give meaning to your child's life. Give your child an identity. Give your child a name. Even every child should know who they're named for, if they're named for somebody, what their name means, what's the mida. I mean, it's unbelievable. My name, when I was born, my name is Slavachana, okay? I was named for my great-grandmother who, the last time she was seen, was going into the ovens of Auschwitz, holding her, her grandchildren together with her husband. Rabbi Yisrael Halevi Yangris. Why do I tell you this? Because 
when my mother gave me my name in the hospital, she told me the nurse came and said, what would you like to name the baby? In those times, you had to write the name on the birth certificate. My mother said, Slava Khana. And what did the nurse say? You know, dear, I'm going to come back when you feel better. <laughs> but she refused to change my name. And I always knew who I was. I knew where I came from. We knew where we came from. Identity is huge, huge for children to have. Give them that pride of who they are. You know, on that note, I read something great by Sarahana Radcliffe. It was so fabulous, and I have to share it. What happens if you see a negative in your house, right? Let's say you see like one kid being into another, hitting another, not sharing another, you know, their toy with another. She said, name that negative quality in your head and now find just the opposite. Instead of saying, why are you being so mean? You say, in this house, we value kindness. Or, you know, why do you have to be like so cheap with your sibling? It is such a value in this house to be a giving person. So the child is not growing up with, I'm cheap, I'm mean, I'm nasty, I'm obnoxious, I'm rude. You know, there's hope. They're hearing different words in their head. <laughs> and loving and peaceful. <laughs> really trying hard. <laughs> I think there's also a difference if you tell a child the way you act and not that that's what you are. You Say know, again? Say that again? There's a difference if you say to a child, that wasn't nice, or the way you acted was not kind, or you say to a child, you know what, you're really mean. Right. You can't say that to a child. You can't say that to anybody. Right. It's not who I am. Maybe I did something silly. Maybe I did something unkind. It doesn't mean that I am silly. I made a mistake. It doesn't mean I am <clears throat> a mistake. There's a huge difference when it comes to that. So we have to try to pull away from labeling children from making them think they're bad or klutzy or clumsy or stupid. Right. They words just come out of our mouths so easily. And I know that if a lot of us are, are parenting and thinking, I could never remember all this, you know, this is impossible. This is just impossible. But if you just want they to- have, They have to buy your book. Okay. Then, they'll, <laughs> <laughs> then, the, then they don't have to remember all this. <laughs> I, I would just say like, Choose a goal once a day. My goal is not to scream at dinner time. That's a goal. My goal is to put a child to sleep without screaming, get into bed, to give a kiss. My goal is in the morning to have a smile. I mean, that's a doable thing that you can do. Everyone knows where we have to grow right now. It's not blanket. It's not the same for everybody. We can't say, I'm going to become this amazing person. Again, you know, amazing. What does that even mean? But I can say, I will be a person who's going to try to be calmer at supper time. Is that doable for me? How do I make that happen? So don't be hard on yourself if you're listening right now and saying it's impossible. Pick something doable because you know what? If I scream less once a day, at the end of the week, it's seven times less. And at the end of the year, it's 365 times less that I've had a negative encounter with this child. And that could make a world of a difference in marriage, too. Beautiful. Wow. I want to introduce everybody to a real life prof here. <laughs> <laughs> this is a supportive, responsible, helpful, mm. and very kind oldest daughter that Hashem blessed me with. Wow, Hashem. Thanks, Rose. And she's really here and enjoying the class very much. 
She's oh, like, you like wig tips? Like, nah, I need to put your wig in the front. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> but outside of that, we're doing great. Hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> I want to I want to just throw something in over here which I think is, is very interesting you know I, I always say I teach Hassan and my wife teaches Kala's Baruch Hashem she's an incredible Kala teacher and the, the girls come in with like these specially bound notebooks that like they bought and they're so excited and it says like in calligraphy like in in gel um, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, call a notebook and they have the due date, you know, like when they're getting married and they're so excited, whatever, not the due date, you know what I'm saying, right? They have all these, like, you know, they're like so counting down the days and, and they're, they're, it says like their notes and then it says like their husband's name, like in the, in the margins, like 9,000 times. With the, they're so excited. Guys come into Hassan classes. I kid you not. They show up. It's like four classes and they're like, was I supposed to bring a pen? You know, <laughs> like, no, you're supposed to remember like, you know, 12 hours of information, you know, it's like, it's, it's funny. Um, it's funny and, and very, very true. But one of the things that I noticed from a lot of the girls that I teach is that girls have this amazing ability to internalize ideas. And what you just said, um, Mrs. Slavi, is that you you sort of segment your life and that's how you really see the growth and the change. It's not about like, okay, I'm now not an angry person. There's no one who's going to pass that test. There's nobody, you know, I always say like, cause I, I, I have this list to be with Mrs. Betone on so many different programs. I always say like, I don't know how she goes outside when it rains. Cause she would, it, she would just melt cause she's made out of sugar, right? She's like the nicest lady in the world but to get to that place for most people is like, it's just never, ever going to happen because there's just, you, you can't. It's very difficult to change that over. But the way a lot of girls tackle Lush and Hara, let's say, is, okay, so during this time of the day, I won't speak Lush and Hara. They have like their mishmaras or whatever, you know, this hour. Don't talk to me now. It's like my hour. And that's how you see so much change. I had an incredible, incredible student who came over to me once that she wanted to work on her tzniyas. And I said, what does that mean to you to work on tzniyas? She said, I will work on tzniyas. I said, that, that, that doesn't mean anything because you could say you're working on anything, but that's not really working. If you really want to change, every day take a couple of things out of your closet that you know are not supposed to be there and then replace it. Treat yourself, go on Amazon or wherever else you shop and replace it with something that you know is, is, is up to your new standard. And you'll find after like a month, everything that you wear will be Sanua. And she came back after a few weeks. She's like, done? Like my, this idea of working on things is not, is not like this mountain that you can't accomplish. You really could. You just have to step-by-step step. and segmenting is such a powerful amazing idea that people have to i think that people have to really internalize um just one more thing that i wanted to say which i find is very funny is that within so many people's lives they they have a level with which they talk to those around them so it, it starts off like very calm and it's like oh can you please whatever and then like it escalates like really quickly to like you know i asked you 50 times can you pick up you know whatever it is and usually it gets to a point where like only the dogs down the block could hear you and they're barking because you just like can you not pick up those toys like you, you just like because that and your children are like oh you should have just asked me the first time and <laughs> Because we like sort of set that level, that like octave where they will actually hear you to just be there. And and people just become conditioned to that. And like, oh, now I know you're serious. And I, I heard a great line from somebody recently. He said that instead of, you know, being angry or upset, it's just learning how to be like assertive and like be heard. And when it's done that, like, you know, that's how you could be sugar. And everyone hears you. You know, my wife said to me, she, she's, she's my producer, so she's whispering in my ear. She said, when Mrs. Betone says that she yells in her house, she do, she's not really angry. She's just, <laughs> she's just, she's just 
you know, saying, guys, come on. And that's what she considers to be yelling. Listen, you should take a poll. Come and talk to my Moroccan hubby and all my kids. You ask them, mom, get upset. It's true that I'm not a screamer, but it does manifest itself sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of things to be, to be, you know, that we're all juggling. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, okay, back to this idea of, of, of taking advice from people. I, I love taking advice, not when somebody's yelling it at me, but when it's being given over in a nice, loving way. Um, I think that we have so much to learn from so many people, and that's a big part of what I try to do on this program. Um, and my wife is amazing. She's sitting right off camera and she keeps, she keeps like thumbs up. Like she's like the encouragement behind every class that, that we're doing over here. Rabbi, I have um, to interject just to say Gitty Epstein is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. It, 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 it's, 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 it's a schuss. It's a schuss. Baruch Hashem to, you know, whatever. I don't want to get emotional on, on, on this thing right now, but Baruch Hashem, it's a tremendous schuss to, um, to have Gitty in my life. And, not just in my life, running my life as the backbone to everything that I'm able to do. So Baruch Hashem. Um, I do take a lot of advice from a lot of people. And I think that that's how, again, I like studying people. Like, I think people are incredible. Um, and the amount of things that people are able to accomplish. Um, can you share with me, start with Mrs. Young Rice Wolf Slavi. Um, what is your, I know, I'll never get it straight. It's just, I'm just going to go with it. <laughs> There's a lot of names, but it, you know what? There's a lot of things to be proud of. So it's great, right? Your first name, you, it's all, there's a lot of things to be proud of. So Baruch Hashem. Um, the question, what, what piece of advice or pieces of advice would you say is a memorable thing or something that you try to live your, your, your life with, like a certain motto or a certain um, something, or maybe something that somebody told you when you were younger that you're like, I have to really remember this. So I'm going to give you something. You know, when I was growing up, I, I think you get the picture. It, it was really a home where my parents and grandparents were a unit for us. And where we came from, even though, of course, I didn't grow up in Europe, you know, but, you know, you don't see, but all my walls are pictures of my zetas, my leichter, all came. They were all hidden in the ground and, and they came back to us. So that identity for me was incredible. And when I think about a piece of advice, so I'm going to give you one or two thoughts that, that stay with me, okay? And it comes from my parents, from my grandparents, because for me, that's a legacy, and it's chinuch, you know, that is forever. So the first, the first thing I'd like to share is when I was teaching couples and, and chinuch and parenting, the women that I taught said, you know what? We'd love for you to put this all in a book. Can you write a book? Because you know, everything that we've been studying. And I never wrote a book before. So I came home, I called my mother, I said, Ma, you know, I don't know, they want me to write a book. I never wrote a book before. I'm not, I'm not a writer. And I'll never forget, my mother said to me at that moment, you cannot be afraid. You always have to seize the moment. Don't be afraid of doing, of going trying. Zayda always said, you know, Hashem is going to give you a bracha in everything you do, but you have to do. You can't ever just sit back. So if you feel that you have a dream in life, go for it. Don't be afraid. And Hashem will help you. If it's meant to be, it will happen. <laughs> when I then was able to sign a book contract, you know, 
with not a firm publishing company because I wanted it to just go all over the world. And it was St. Martin's Press. That moment of not being afraid led me to be able to then go to the next level of, you know, accepting Rabbi Goldstein's invitation to the Sinai and Dab in South Africa. That was, it was just awesome. You know, Chazde Hashem. And then with each step, being able to lecture and speak and being able to just spread your magic in the world. You can't be afraid. You have to have that chizuk. And that was an amazing piece of advice that my mother gave me because think, you know, one day after 120, you go to Shemayim and Hashem will say, there was so much more for you to do. You shouldn't have been afraid. Try, at least try and give it your best shot. Hashem is with us. And, and that was an amazing piece of advice. That's one I'd like to say. And if I think about it, my father said to me something that will sound very simple, but it, I've used it almost every day of my life. And my father said this to me when I was just a young girl, but it served me throughout life, throughout shiduchim, throughout relationship, marriage, parenting, teaching, just being in the world. And that is this. I was once upset about something. My father said to me, Shefla, my father, we called the gentle giant. He was six foot three, but the most gentle man you could meet. He said, Shefla, you don't have to hear everything. You don't have to see everything. Hashem gave you two eyes. You know why? You open one and you close the other. Hashem gave you two ears. It goes in one and it goes out the other. You don't have to hear and see everything. You know, especially now when we're in this situation, think before you react. You don't have to see everything. You don't have to hear everything. You'll have shalom. And that's the most important thing. You don't always have to be right in life, but you have to have shalom because without shalom, you have nothing. That's the truth. Amazing. So I, I want to hear from you, Mrs. Vitone, on this as well. But I, I wanted to ask you a question as you're talking. I'm just thinking this through. Did your, you know, a lot of, let's say with my kids, I always tell my kids like they're, they're growing up in a very, I'm going to call it like a different, it's a different home. It's an unusual home here. A lot of it, a lot of it is the way my wife runs it, but also um, because we do, you know, speaking things and, and, and other things that we're involved with. Um, was your life, if I could ask, was it a lot of experiences in that sense? experiences of meeting other people you're saying meeting other people flying around the world maybe my my life i i you know this book it's right next to me this book that just came out called the rebbitson about yeah please tell everybody about this book tell tell everybody please this is the most and inspiring book you could possibly read rabbi nachman seltzer just came out with this book with art scroll And it's the story of my mother's life, not only my mother's life, my parents, my grandparents, us. It opens up with my mother taking me to Lebanon during the war between Israel and Lebanon. That's how it opens. So just to give you a taste of that experiences, absolutely. We went from there to Prime Minister Menachem Begin. And then from there, we went to Ramle prison, to a woman's prison. This book, Art Scroll, wants everyone to have it and... Stores aren't open, so for anyone listening tonight, promo code, my name, S-L-O-V-I-E, Slavi. There's 10% off from the price and free shipping. They always give 10% off an art scroll, and they said free shipping to all the listeners tonight. So 
that this came now is so much inspiration because yes, we had tremendous experience. It's not about having things, but it's about having a rich life that you're introduced to different people. You're not just in a box, you know, as you were saying before, Jackie, not, not judging. It was seeing the neshama, the soul of every human being that came into our home, feeling love, meeting so many people from across the world and at the same time being part of a family and knowing that you're number one in your parents' life, but at the same time you have this responsibility to the world. The richness of that was incredible. Yes. yes. I I, I was like picking that up from, from, you know, from what you're talking. I also wanted to say something that, I, 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 I'm, I'm picking up, this is like our first, like, you know, interaction and Mr. Shem, there will be more. Um, but it's, it's an incredible thing. And I, I, I saw this by your mother, Allah Shama as well. Um, whether when she, when she was talking or through her books, um, this amazing ability to connect Sukkim, whether it's through davening or, or the Torah, that it, this is life. It, there was like a reality of like, the Pasuk says this, and, and this is the lesson, and this is what we could take out of that. Just such a reality. And I, I would almost challenge people, and I know that there's going to be some girls here that will take this seriously, and I hope that they do, to whether it's through davening or if you're saying Tehillim every day or you're learning something, take like a, a Pasuk and just make it a reality. Like what does this Pasuk mean? And just like learn what it means and then just like get that lesson in your brain. If you do this every day, I feel like it has such a, a, an ability to change, you know, Rabbi Berkowitz, where I learned, he, he did this with the whole Torah. He went through the entire Torah. Every day he gives a share. This Pasuk says, Vayomer Hashem Amoshlemer. How do we talk? Vayomer, Vayidaber. Like, it, it's such a reality. I see it the way you're speaking and, and in all the books. It's, it's reality. It, it's not, Torah is not just like this idea up in the air. It's like, this is how you actually live. You know what, I'll sometimes give a shear and there will be yeshiva girls there and they'll say, but we never learned, is this really, this is ours? Yes, <laughs> because <laughs> this is how we grew up. Look inside, look inside. I've never seen a situation that you could not find a solution in the Torah. Never. Parenting, wow. marriage, life, it's all there. We just have to know how to find it. Wow. Mrs. Bitone, what can you share with us? Give us some great advice that we can jot down some some things to take home. Okay, so actually, I don't know how much time I have, but there are three stories that are coming to mind. Right, you have like six minutes, seven minutes. <laughs> I'm deciding which one to say. Um, let me think. Okay, you know what? One thing, okay, we have six minutes. So I think I'm going to share a story when I was working in YDE. And I was the uh, dean at the time of the girls' elementary school. And, you know, it's a pretty routine thing when there is a fire drill. And all of a sudden you hear like, eh, 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 and there's a fire drill. And I remember that day was a particularly cold day. Um, like really, woof, you know, like really, really cold. And the second I heard a fire drill, like I was on, you know, I'm on duty. So I grabbed my coat, you know, I'm running down the stairs so I could be there, you know, to help the kids um, and help it sort of go smoothly. And I, as I'm running down the stairs, I'm putting on my coat, I get outside and as usual, the, um, the fire drill ran safe and smooth. 
Um, the principal now of the school is a wonderful, wonderful person. Her name is Mrs. Rifka Dahan. But the principal then, uh, this story happened with the principal then, her name was Mrs. Batya Nekritz. Um, and I will never forget what Mrs. Nekritz said to me. After the last girl was inside the building, Mrs. Nekritz and I, you know, made sure that everybody was, you know, like gone from the outside and heading to their classes. Mrs. Nekritz said one line to me. And I think that was one of the most powerful um, lines that anyone said to me. She said, Jackie, you know, um, when the kids can't put on a coat, I make sure that I don't put on a coat. And she said, I'll see you, sweetheart. I'll see you at lunch. I can't even tell you how powerful was that musser. It was no like, what what were you thinking? And, you know, I mean, it could have been said in so many different ways in her wisdom and her chachma and her sensitivity. She taught me for life, you always have to see other people. Always. Even if your gut reaction is to be self-focused, it doesn't start with you. It doesn't end with you. You have to look and take in everything that's going on. Take, you know, take everybody's situation into account. If they can't put on their coats right now, because that's a school rule, you hear the fire drill and you're out, you shouldn't. And I just think that it's, it's something so powerful for life because we have to be people who see others. And once we see other people, then we naturally become giving people. And a life with giving, that's really called living. I want to hear a second story. Tell me another story. You do? Yeah, I want to hear another one. Tell me another one. Great, you're really going to enjoy this one. Okay. (laughs) When I first started, um, when I first started speaking, wow. Okay, so this goes back to the first class I ever gave. I was 19 years old. It was around the table in my parents' house on 119 Lord Avenue, Lawrence, New York, 11559. And it started with seven friends. And I did it, Le'ila Nishmat, my aunt, Ro, my mother's only sister who had passed away of cancer. She loves Shiram. So I said, you know, I love to speak. Um, and apparently it sounds like people like to listen. I'm going to give one class only. And as it turned out, my friends encouraged me and it's a, you know, talk for another time. I started speaking, you know, and it's, it's, it's all Hashem's chesed. I never could imagine that, you know, I'd, I'd be doing this. But anyway, when I, when I first started getting out there, I mean, this is going back, gosh, how many years ago, um, when I was speaking for high schools, I think it was about 11 years ago, one high school called me, my old high school called me, SK, I couldn't believe it, you know, like they invited me to be their speaker. And I remember when one of the rabbis who was a rabbi then, he invited me, he's like, Mrs. Vitone, we'd like to invite you as our speaker, you know, on the SK Shabbaton. I'm like, Rabbi, are you sure? Like, I, I'm still me. <laughs> like, I know, Mrs. Vitone, we're taking a risk. <laughs> Thank God, I've been there a few times. There was one school that you know the word holishing i was holishing to get to into this school is a high school in manhattan an incredible incredible high school and like everybody knew that if you speak in this high school it will open doors for you in every other high school because they're so hush they only get the cream of the crop and um all of a sudden one day i got a phone call from this high school and I think it was the secretary. She's like, is this Mrs. Vito? And I said, yeah, speaking. Hi, we're calling from, you know, Yeshiva Girls High School in Manhattan. And we'd like to invite you as our speaker for Rosh Chodesh. I'm like, 
I really are you serious I can't believe it yes I'd love to come she says okay the timing is a little bit difficult it's uh Friday morning and it's 8 30 in the morning could you make it and I'm thinking to myself you know in all reality absolutely not but I said for sure (laughs) (laughs) and I find myself you know I make this commitment I write it down on my planner I color code it and I'm like, how in the world am I going to get there? I have a terrible sense of direction. Bless my husband. I cannot tell you how many speaking engagements he's driven me to. Now a lot of places will send a car service for me because I could drive to Brooklyn, to Borough Park, and to Lawrence. Because, <laughs> and, and outside of there, you know, forget it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lost case. But anyway, um, my brother, Ellie, um, he is a year and a half older than me. I'm like, Ellie... You don't understand. It's like an opportunity of a lifetime. I got invited to this amazing high school in Manhattan and I, I can't believe they want me, but there's no way that like I could navigate from here, like to the city. Can you drive me? And he says to me, he's like, sure, Jax, no problem. I'm like, okay, thank you. Now, Al, what time do you think like we have to leave practically to get there on time? I'll tell you the truth with traffic, you know, navigation. I would say like we should be in the car like 7.15-ish. I'm like, Ellie, that's crazy. I'm just like brushing my teeth at 7.15. Jax, you know, you want to be on time, whatever it was. I don't even know how I pulled it off. I got a babysitter to come in the morning to get the kids off. I mean, don't even ask. We got into the car, not Ellie's fault at all, but yours truly, later than we should have. When we went into the tunnel, there was an accident in the tunnel. Now, one thing I have to add about this amazing high school, they are very, very efficient. When I was invited to speak at 8.30, it was not 8.30, it was 8.33. I was supposed to go to like 9.26 or something like that. Everything is hash-boned. It is such a structured, amazing school. Anyway, there was a crazy accident in the tunnel. And I see that it is 8.29, okay? And I am quite a ways from the school. And all of a sudden, I start freaking out like really freaking out. Like my heart is pounding. Like I I'm, I'm starting to sweat. I'm like, Oh my gosh, Ellie, Ellie, I don't know what to do. Like, this is crazy. I we're supposed to be in the school in like five minutes and we're stuck in a tunnel and, and there's like so much traffic. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And he's like, Jax, I suggest you call the school. I'm like, I can't call the school. What am I supposed to say to them? Like, hi, you gave me an opportunity for a lifetime and I totally blew it. And where are you? I'm stuck in a tunnel. Jax, you asked my opinion. He is the most calm person you could imagine. This is what I suggest. I'm like, Ellie, I can't. I was freaking out. Anyway, I'm like, okay, you're right. Let me do the most responsible thing I can. I will call. And there was no service because I was in the tunnel. (laughs) By the time I got out of the tunnel, it was 8.43. I called the school and the secretary's like, hi, where are you? We have an entire high school waiting for you. If you need parking help, we will come right downstairs. Don't worry about your car. Oh my gosh, Lee, I'm like 18 minutes away. I just got out of the tunnel and, 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 and. Anyway, she's like, aha. Okay, we have an entire high school waiting. Um, we will be happy to see you when you arrive. I started crying in the car. I cannot begin to tell you the nerves and the stress and the tension. It's nerve wracking enough to speak to like 400 people, let alone when you walk in like 40 minutes late and you ruin their whole program. And you were like longing to get into this school. And I look at my brother. I'm like, Ellie, I can't. I'm like, how am I going to face them? He said one line to me that I play back all the time. 
He said in his very typical, calm way, Jax, accept the strain, but focus on the mission. I'm like, can you say that again? (laughs) He's like, accept the strain. It's strainful. It's nerve-wracking. It's painful. But focus on the mission. You have a job to do. In short, I spoke... It was Nisa and Vinaflao. They were so forgiving. They even invited me back, you know, and Mm. quite a few times they understood my crazy tunnel situation. And I find myself now in such a, you know, like when it becomes so difficult in the house and I just want the sunshine and I just want to go back to normal life. And I just want to be like, bye kids. I love you so much. Have a great day. I'll see you in six hours. (laughs) Just like, you know, it's so tense and there's so much strain and so much pressure I say to myself, accept it. Wow. Like, I want to tell you something. I, 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 this message is incredible. You're, you're a Navy SEAL. <laughs> <laughs> forget, forget the strain, focus on the mission. We, got, we are here to accomplish. Um, and if you focus on the mission and then you have the gains, like don't focus on the strain, you get the gain. We could make a whole rap song out of this. Um, <laughs> this is, <laughs> it, it's incredible. I, 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 we don't have a lot of time left. Tore any time granted us another five minutes. Um, I, I want to close up with, with, with just a thought, and, and I hope that people can sort of take something out of this. Um, it, it, this is not my thought. This is, this is the experience that I think we've all just been through. Um, there is... There is this this idea when you know I talk to a lot of women, and I'll, a lot of times people ask me questions about women, and I think that a woman answering certain questions is just so much more matim, um, like it's just so much more you know it, it's better for this. But a, a lot of women they they sort of view their roles in their house like as, as an azer connector, just like a lot of men look at the, the idea of chenach as like I have to yell and criticize my child. A lot of women look at like my my role sort of is you know laundry and doing all the things that that are like those physical things around the house to keep the house running right and again we've spoken about how incredible it is you know for people who hold it together and they do it and they create this incredible you know everything but one of the things that i always teach um is that a, a, a man is created with a mission the mission is like to be mistavik to hashem and when he says i need a helpmate the azer connecto is not just there for the laundry She's there for that incredible ability that women have this yearning to have a close, emotional, intimate like relationship with somebody else. And when you keep that in mind as like part of your mission, like I always say, like when you're putting on your tefillin in the morning, you have certain things that like, this is my mission. I always tell like women, if, if you would keep that in mind that you don't put on tefillin, but like the overall atmosphere, the temperature in your house is usually set by you. And if you're able to like remember that, then all the relationships in your home, your chenach, your husbands, you know, the relationship with the davening and tefillah, it's not, it's just so beautiful. You carry that responsibility, you know, and when you carry that torch high, you're able to sort of see that. And tonight was such an amazing, amazing schus for me. We've had, um, you know, this is the fifth program and I could tell you everyone I'm 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 in awe. I'm in awe at, at like little me being able to interview people who have accomplished so much in their lives. But you, you've you've both taken it to a second level, and that is not just within your homes to expand that out to other people who are able to see the beauty of these incredible connections 
whether it's to Hashem or his Torah or their husbands or their children. I want to thank you so much, both of you, for coming on and giving of your precious time. Thank your husband, thanking your family and all the other things. You could have been reading a book now. You could have been writing a book now. You could have been doing anything else. But I thank you so much for coming on here. I wanted to remind our audience a few things. One is that Torah Anytime is having another live program after this one. So you could check out their homepage um, by the live feed where you're going to be able to see the live programs that are upcoming, um, as well as you could check back there periodically for our next show, which is generally going to be airing on Monday nights and Thursday nights. We have some very, very exciting speakers coming up. Um, the few that I could tell you about is Ramosha Mayor Weiss, as well as Dina Friedman from Eretz Yisrael is going to be joining us in two weeks. So I am so grateful for all the people who have been coming on, so grateful to Torah Anytime, so grateful to Moshe Sofer, who gives up his precious nights to sit here with us on the back end. Nobody gets to see him. Thank you all. Thank you all from all the continents. Thank you for the feedback. We are so humbled that this show has gone to where it's gone to. And Baruch Hashem, with a lot of Siyat we're going to continue to provide amazing content from amazing guests that we're able to bring on here and expose to the world. Thank you both for coming on. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.